Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. I wouldn't say we fell in love right away. I think we were, as they call it in the biz, trauma bonding. And then after eight years of being insufferably sober, I started drinking again. Addicts tend to be rather sensitive people. Aren't you Mark Maron? I'm like, yeah. And she goes, what happened to you? Welcome to Light Hustler, a podcast about addiction recovery, uh, recovering from anything, not just addiction. But today's episode, we're talking a lot about recovering from addiction, and that is because it is with my BFF, Joe Polish. And Joe is not only my BFF and a mentor and an incredible person, but also my co-author in the newly released book, The Miracle Morning for Addiction Recovery, which we co-wrote with Hal Elrod and Honoré Quarter, and we have, um, you know, we have contributions from so many great people. Dr. Drew wrote the introduction. We have morning routines in there from Wes Gear, from Corn, from Stephen Danziger, which who you know from Mark Maron's podcast, from author Lisa Smith, from my other BFF Ryan Hampton. So anyway, we do a whole long conversation about this book, which you are about to listen to and it is available on Amazon but it is also on Audible. If you're listening to this I'm gonna guess you're someone who likes listening so maybe you want the Audible version. Uh, Whatever uh, even if you don't want the book I still love you I still hope you'll get a lot out of this conversation but um, yeah you'll hear more but doing this book was a real life changer for me so with that I'm gonna give you my conversation with Joe Polish. Joe, in case you don't know, uh, runs the Genius Network. Um, he's a big time marketer, business guy, friends with Tony Robbins and Ariane Huffington and all these fancy people, and um, and uh, a former addict who has started something called Genius Recovery and Artists for Addicts and all sorts of things we get into. So here it is, me and Joe Polish talking about our book, the Miracle Morning for Addiction Recovery. Okay, so this is a weird thing. Joe Polish and I, Anna David, are both co-hosting and co-interviewing one another for each of our podcasts. It's very meta. How are you feeling about it, Joe? You know, it's about the most exciting thing I think we're going to do in the next couple of hours, Anna. That's, that's <laughs> I thought you were going to say in the next decade. But okay. No, it, it, it could be. We'll, we'll, let, we'll let the listeners judge that. But yeah, you know, we've we've got a new book, and it's called uh, The Miracle Morning for Addiction Recovery. And both of us are, you know, really trying to help get the message out about addiction and recovery. And we've been through our own processes for many, many years. And now we're, uh, you know, now we're doing what we want to do. And, and you've been doing this for years also. You've got six uh, books on addiction, you're a New York Times bestselling author, you're a talking head all over the place on all kinds of, you know, TV and radio and podcasts and whatnot uh, related to to the subject of addiction recovery. And so now we've collaborated together um, and we wrote a book okay, on okay. it. Okay, so. okay. 
so now that Joe did my intro, I'm going to give, obviously, you guys all know who Joe Polish is, but just in case you have been living under a rock, he is the, uh, can I say the world's leadest, leading marketing expert? He runs the highest uh, uh, profile uh, networking group. I should let him do this. Uh, Genius Network. He also has Genius X. And um, people you hear about all the time are uh, in those groups. And um, he's become, are you comfortable with me saying he's become a mentor of mine? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Really you, exciting you, for me. Yeah, you, you can say that. I mean, but, no, go ahead. I'll let you, I'll let you finish, and then, I'll, and then I'll add whatever you say to what you're saying about me. I know. Well, I, screw, I screwed up a little bit. Joe can do his um, intro better. But, you know, so since you're hearing this on both of our podcasts, you will remember Joe from, I interviewed him for my podcast the day we met, and it was probably about a year and a half ago. And then, of course, I was on I Love Marketing. So there's a lot of cross-pollination here. Exactly. Um, but what you guys, if you didn't hear that episode, Joe's passion in life is changing the global conversation about addiction. Um, his, you know, he's this brilliant marketer, that's his career, but he's decided, I think, to devote almost the rest of your life to this passion project. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, as much as I can, I run my entrepreneurial groups and Genius Network and everything. And let me say this, because you called me, you know, the best marketing expert or something yeah. in the world. And uh-huh. I, I, certainly, I, I certainly don't think I, I'm that. I, I mean, a lot of people, you know, know me in the in the field of marketing. There's a lot of brilliant marketers and everything. And at the end of the day, though, I think of marketing as storytelling. And if you tell a better story, you're going to enroll more people. And I'm wanting to use my marketing skills and my connection skills with other people to actually really do my best to make a dent uh, in, in an area that people like you and many people are involved in trying to reduce so much of the human suffering that's at an all time insane level in human history. I mean, we're at the worst addiction crisis in human history, although so many areas of civilizations have advanced and so many things have been figured out and tackled and conquered. It seems like addiction is not seems like it is just at its worst possible state. I mean, so many people are on drugs, legal and illegal uh, so many people are on antidepressants, uh, suicide rates, overdoses, they're at an all-time high, and it's just, it's literally out of control in so many areas. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be I'm gonna be working on this my whole life, and I hope that, uh, you know, I hope that what we just did with our book and that this conversation can help give some insight and some hope and some healing to uh, many of the people or their family members or friends that are out there that are struggling. Yeah, and I and I should say that Joe and I both quit drugs before the opiate crisis, and that has just been insane. You know, sixty thousand people are overdosing on opiates alone every year, and it just wasn't like this when you know cocaine and alcohol were my drugs of choice. Um, and and what's going on now, I, I could never have predicted it. And yeah, I mean, this book is so we should explain that the Miracle Morning is part of the Miracle Morning series, Hal Elrod's extremely successful series. And, um, and yeah, its entire focus is on changing your life before 8am. And it is completely targeted to people who are either in recovery from addiction, are struggling with addiction, or are love somebody who's struggling with addiction or in recovery from addiction. Um, so should we talk a little bit about the book, Joe? 
Yeah, definitely. Let's do it. And, and let me let me mention this because you know all three of us collaborated on this. Uh, you know how Anna and and uh, myself and then uh, Honoré Quarter. Uh, uh, so this was like a literally a group effort between um, you know several people. And you did most of the heavy lifting when it came to the writing and putting it together because you're just an amazing writer and you've got okay. so many years of experience with recovery. You've, I mean, this has pretty much kind of been your field of, of expertise and career. And, you know, other than just teaching people how to write, I mean, you spend so much of your time in recovery. We won't, I won't even go into some of the stuff, you know, you can talk about some things you know, publicly, but also there's many things that you do privately that many people have no idea about that is just immersing yourselves with, with helping people that struggle with addiction. So I think it's a very honorable thing. And uh, it's, yeah. you know, a lot of people write about the addiction and recovery that really don't have any experience with it or have not even done their own recovery. I mean, they haven't, you know, they, they, they've never even been at a 12-step meeting or they've never really done trauma work or they've not done forms of therapy or, you know, really immerse themselves into it. And I think me and you are more than qualified to speak to this subject. And for many years, I, I really, I didn't really, you know, I didn't really feel like I, I could. I, I was waiting to get to this point where I like arrived at a certain place. And then, you know, I started realizing that, you know, I, I know a lot and I've, and, and I started telling my story publicly and I started sharing things that I was, you know, had a lot of shame with ever sharing um, in my life about sexual abuse and about acting out and the different ways that I did my addictions. And I just started publicly talking about it in front of rooms of, you know, people running multi-million dollar businesses, famous people, and the people that would come up to me and start telling me about their silent battles. And I I realized that, yeah, there's, you know, there's a lot of people out there, most people that are living these silent battles. And if they're so difficult and so hard, then they may be using addiction as a coping mechanism, as a solution for the pain. They may be, um, you know, they may be suicidal. They may be just, you know, on the surface looking like they're happy and they may have rituals that are out of control. So going back to the miracle morning, you know, you can literally start the day that sets the stage for you to not only be more productive and have a better business and a better career and a better job or a better relationship, but also it's one of the key elements to, you know, working with your recovery. Because most people in active addiction, you know, they're not going to bed early and, uh, you know, waking up bright and early and exercising and meditating and, you know, doing affirmations and right. um, reading and journaling and all the things that we talk about in the book. And, and certainly... I think if we share some of the rituals that are talked about in this book, everyone will get value from hearing us talk about it, but hopefully they'll support what we're doing here and go pick up a copy of it for themselves and maybe uh, maybe some loved ones because any, uh, anyone that's out in the world right now, especially in, in America or Canada or English-speaking areas, I mean, they they know someone very close to them that's probably struggling with uh, drug addiction or alcohol or sex or gambling or food or workaholism or internet or gaming, uh, performance addiction, you know, right. uh, it, it goes on and on. So anyway, I'll, I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll say that when I speak at colleges, I will say, stand up, uh, raise your hand if your life has been impacted by addiction. And every single person raises their hand because there's somebody they know, there's somebody in their family that's suffering. And or has been in recovery. And I'll also say, having been at several of the Genius Network events, what, you know, people are sharing marketing ideas and business ideas that are worth, you know, a, 
hundreds of thousands of dollars. And yet the feedback, because people give public feedback, is always, Joe, thank you so much for talking about addiction. Like, I think I come here. I tell myself I come here for business reasons. But actually what this does is help me with my personal life. I mean, I've heard so many people say it, so I'm sure you've heard it even more. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all the time, all the time. I mean, I have a lot of people that confide in me. I mean, uh, I've had several people whose uh, children have been struggling with, uh, you know, drugs and, and pornography and alcohol and, you know, gambling. And, I mean, you, you name all the, the different types of, of things that people can use as a as a scratching the pain itch. Uh, and I've, you know, connected them with resources or with individuals or things to read or places to go. And, you know, I've had a couple of people say, man, I think it, it saved, it saved uh, this person's life. And, you know, I, there's just so many tools out there that are available. And frankly, as a, as a institutions, as drug companies, as government, they're doing a pretty piss poor job of leading people to it. So, I mean, I think it takes a lot of us civilians to just put the work in and, and, and get it out to people as best we can and at least, you know, let people know of the things that are helpful, the things that have helped us, the things right. that we know have helped others and package it up in a way, uh, you know, to make it accessible to people. And I think that's what we've done and put it into a process that, you know, really doesn't cost any money to do. I mean, some of the things we will talk about today will not cost anything. And if you want to you know, we'll talk about them. You can just start doing them or, or, you know, you can just spend a few dollars and get a copy of our book and it's all laid out there and, you know, hand it yeah. to, you know, hand it to anyone. So, I mean, we're not, you know, all, all I can say is I've, I've put a, I've put a, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars of my money into just building these addiction platforms just because I, you know, I want to, I want to help. I really want to help. It's, uh, I don't even have a great monetization model out of any of this. And even with what we're doing in genius recovery, uh, you know, there's videos, there's links to podcasts. So much of that you help me compile, uh, links to every sort of community from 12 step okay. groups. And if someone's not into 12 steps, there's different sorts of communities because hardly anyone recovers in isolation. And we, you know, we're just making so much of this available, um, you know, it, it, for for free. And, you know, we have a book now that kind of organizes a lot of the thinking. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of where we're at. So let's, let's get into the book. Uh, and I mean, you know, let me ask you before we even go into the subject matter, what you, you've done so much in the field of, uh, of, of addiction recovery. I'd love to have you define uh, addiction first and then maybe define recovery. And I'll add mm. my own thoughts to that too, so that people, you know, people that are aware of what addiction is or actively working in their recovery. And recovery comes in many different ways. Just know there's no right or wrong way to do this. There's this, right. it's either effective or it's not. And different people have different levels of, of pain and trauma and addiction. So, you know, there's, there's all kinds of different levels, but all addiction is human suffering. So I'd love to, I'd love to have you define it and then we'll get into, yeah. you know, the miracle morning. Yeah, I mean, I think um, addiction is not defined by how many drug overdoses you had or, or, and I use words addiction and alcoholism interchangeably, actually, to me, they're the same thing. You know, an addict is, to me, somebody who is so uncomfortable with how they feel that they'll do anything they can to change it, even if changing it means dying, because the feelings are so intense. 
And I always believe it's like, you know, alcoholism is humanism to an exponential degree. Like alcoholics and addicts don't own the patent on self-obsession and self-hatred, but we do a really good job of owning it. And, and you know, and I do think also, you know, the, the one commonality I notice among all the alcoholics and addicts that I know um, is just this, this we we prioritize our feelings so much. I think, quote unquote, normal people sort of have a feeling they're sad, they're whatever, anxious, whereas the alcoholic addict is like, I've got to figure this out. I can't take this. This pain is so great. And so when the pain is that great, you will find your drug of choice. You will find whatever it is that alleviates that pain until it stops working and it's killing you and it's doing the opposite of what you sought it out to do. And that's when you get to recovery. Um, what do you think, yeah. Joe? No, I, I, I totally agree. Uh, what I would just add is I think of it as doing something, addiction is doing something that you don't want to do or that you do want to do and you're not able to stop and it has negative consequences attached to it. I also think of addiction as a solution. It, like our friend Gabor Mate says, you know, the yeah. question is not why the addiction, but why the pain. And I have thought long and hard about that statement. I'll repeat it. I'll share it with people because a lot of times it's like we need to attack addiction. We need to, a war on drugs. We need to have, you know, it's like, well, that's kind of like having a war on addicts. I mean, if, if addiction is actually a solution, having a war on the addict solution, although not a very good solution, a solution that could kill you, a solution that could ruin your life, a solution that could hurt yourself and others, it's not a good solution. But in the moment of that pain, it gets you out of it temporarily, or at least it gives right. you the illusion that it's getting you out of it. In most cases, it's making your life worse, but it, but it is an attempt to solve a deeper problem. And that problem is associated with pain and fear and loneliness. And, you know, like many of the things that come out of 12-step groups, you know, like sayings like halt, if you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, there's nothing wrong with not wanting to be hungry, angry, lonely, tired. And hungry could come in different forms. It's not just hungry for food or thirsty for water. It could be a hunger or a thirst for connection, which is, you know, addiction is the, you know, is the opposite, you know, the opposite of, mm-hmm. uh, of addiction is connection. And so it's that trying to connect with something, just, to, just that feeling. And sometimes that feeling is the inability to feel anything, or at least that's what it seems like. So yeah, addiction is just, uh, it's an attempt to solve a deeper problem. And we are living in a culture that is just dangling every sort of pain reliever, which also can be called, you know, the causations of much of these pains because it just exasperates it, uh, you know, all the time. Imagine if you're in, you know, an alcoholic, if you're not, and, and I know that's very difficult for people that have, you know, not had a craving for something that they cannot imagine not having any control over. But that's really, you know, in, in, in its worst states, it's, it's, I don't, I don't believe in the choice model. I don't believe that addiction is a is a choice. I believe after right. a period, it's it's literally out of control. I've spent many years of my life in that place where, you know, it's there's this song from this hardcore industrial band that had the lyrics, "I tell myself I will not go even as I drive there," and. Mm. You know, a lot of people can relate to something. You know, you've been in a negative or toxic relationship and you you shouldn't be seeing that person. You shouldn't be going to that place. You shouldn't be walking into that bar. You shouldn't be looking into that porn online. I mean, you, you tell yourself you will not go even as you drive there, even even as you're doing it. So it's it's a drive that is driving you off the cliff. It is a drive, a drivenness that is 
got negative consequences. If you have a strong drive to love your children or to build your career or to write a book or to help other people or to get in great physical shape or to develop a deeper, you know, spiritual connection, that drive, if it has positive consequences, is is good. When the drive is you know, destructive, when it's self-destructive, when it's, you know, destroying your health, destroying your emotional state, hurting other people, that's, and you can't stop that. There's something wrong there. At that point, you have to change something. And, and, And you may have to change everything about your entire life. You have to admit that you have a problem and and because all progress starts by telling the truth as my you know dear friend Dan Sullivan says and one place to start which is why we decided you know a lot of people would go to the miracle morning and they would start reading books about what to do with morning rituals uh and how you know would get a lot of these people that were saying yeah I'm I'm in recovery I'm trying to you know work on my addiction and I'm using this as a process and he had mentioned to me you know we really want to do a Miracle Morning a book on addiction, and you, you know, Joe and Anna, you guys have so much experience in this, can we do it together? And so that's why we ended up collaborating. So we brought our, you know, knowledge and our experience, and uh, in, in not just ours, the great thing, and you coordinate this, let's take Dr. Drew. Dr. Drew is one of the most, you know, famous people in the world in the field of, uh, of addiction and recovery, who's a friend of yours. And uh, you know, I've met him once before in person a couple of years ago, and he wrote the foreword uh, for the Miracle Morning. And then you have stories of of a lot of people. Well, well that we you... got we got uh, the morning routines of all sorts of people. You know, actress Mackenzie Phillips, Jason Waller, Wes Gear, who was in the band Corn, um, Courtney Friel, who's a newscaster, Patty Powers, who's this sober companion, sober coach. Uh, yeah, so we have the morning routines. Every single chapter ends with the morning routine of somebody who's in recovery from addiction. And, you know, one thing that I wanted to say, one of the reasons this was important to me is that it doesn't, not to be discouraging, but it's not like all your problems get solved when you quit drugs or find recovery. You know, there are all these feelings that you've been suppressing for the years and years you were doing it and they all come up. And so that's why so much of this is about what do we do when we're in recovery and we still feel uncomfortable and we don't have our drug of choice to go to because we've quit it. And so I, I you know, and Joe and I are kind of, I would say we're both kind of into not wacky things. But, you know, we both spent some time in flotation tanks and cryotherapy, little machines. And, you know, we talked briefly about all those sort of esoteric things we've tried, but we've both done EMDR for trauma. um, And we're both very active meditators. So wait, let's talk about the specifics. Okay, every Miracle Morning book talks about the SAVERS. And the SAVERS are, it's an acronym for S is silence. A is affirmations, V is a visualization, E is exercise, R is reading, and S is scribing. So, Joe, let's talk about our rituals around that. How do you do silence in the morning? Okay, well, let me just talk about today as an example. I even give you some, you know, today, the the time that we're actually recording this, it is a Sunday. 
and I woke up, I meditated for 20 minutes. I do TM. So I have a mantra. I do transcendental meditation. In the chapter where we go over the savers, there's literally, uh, we, we guide people through how to meditate if you've never had a medit- meditation practice before. We also list if you do want to you know, utilize a app as an example. We recommend some different of the, you know, the best apps that, uh, you know, a lot of people love and utilize in the book uh, for doing meditation. But I, I meditate that way. It's it, that that's just how I do it. And uh, yeah, and then I'll come back to the other things that I have done. But just keeping it on that subject, I do uh, my meditation is TM, and and I could never meditate. Uh, for my my whole life. When I say never, uh, that's actually kind of a joke because anyone can actually meditate if they take the time and they learn the process of doing it. And like anything else, if they're able to work through the resistance to it. And I just put up a lot of self-imposed resistance. And I would tell myself, I can't meditate. I can't meditate. And when I finally got trained in Fairfield, Iowa, (laughs) of all places, which is where Maharishi University is, and I was given an award by the city. And that's where the golden domes are that Oprah went and did a show on meditation. And uh, I spoke to the university there and I met with the mayor and had dinner with him of the city. And then John Haglin, who's the CEO of uh, TM.org. You know, I mean, I literally, it was, the whole get-ups uh, back in, I think it was in 2013, and I've been meditating ever since, and so that's that's my process. But had I known how simple it really was to uh, to actually, you know, do, learn it, uh, simple is different than easy. Okay, but it yeah. is simple, and if you and if you and it's like they say that in the program, all of the stuff that we recommend are actually simple. There's no massive complexity on anything that we write about in the book, nor what we're going to talk about now. Uh, but that's what I do. So I do, I do TM and there's, you know, once in a while, if I'm in a really noisy place, I'll utilize an app. But most of the time I will, I don't need anything. I just need to just sit. And even if it is noisy, it's just, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes I'll put on an app. Uh, and in most days I meditate one time a day. Uh, and I'd say probably Three days out of a, a typical week, I'll meditate twice. Um, some people are with the DTM are very consistent, and frankly, I'll tell you, when I meditate twice, I feel better. So it's one of the things. All of this is always a work in progress. So I'm, you know, still working on just uh, getting that in. But I also today, and I'll come to this later and go. You know, I did yoga today. I did a re- recovery yoga class. And, you know, I also went to a CODA meeting, which is Codependence Anonymous. I did all of that today. And so, you know, sometimes I'll meditate, you know, twice. But if I'm going to do a yoga class or exercise, there's moving. I use... uh, I use yoga's moving meditation, which is also part of the exercise part, which we'll get yep, to in a minute. we're getting so, to E. We're getting yep, to so E. That's mine. Um, yes, I and I do. Uh, I, I have been doing a version of transcendental meditation called Vedic meditation, and I've been really good about doing it m- most days, twice a day for twenty minutes um, for the last, I guess, thirteen years. But randomly, recently, I have decided to switch it up, and I'm doing a different form of meditation. I met this guru named Sadhguru. Do you know who that is, Joe? Yeah, I've actually, oh boy, many years ago, probably, this must have been nine years ago, I spent uh, four days with him and about 15 people. I didn't know that. Okay, so they were pitching him to be on my podcast. I didn't know who he was. And so (laughs) I went to this event 
and met him and everybody's freaking out about this guy. I was like, I don't know who he is. And then I met all these people at the event and they started inviting me to their Sadhguru meditations. Now I have the Sadhguru app and I've been doing this um, Isha Kriya meditation that he does. Uh, so now that's the new thing I've been doing. Um, and he has a, a love manifestation meditation. That app is really awesome. We don't mention it in the book. We do mention some other apps. So yeah, that's my version of silence. So, okay. Oh, and let me let me mention this too. As me and you discover new things, because as this book comes out and people are on the you know on our you know on Facebook and they're they're sharing yeah. it, we're, we're we're simply going to discoveries that other people do. We want the feedback. So anything that we say here is you know this is not. Uh, we're not saying this is the perfect way to do it. We're just sharing what we yeah. know works for us and has been helpful to us. And if you can add to it as a listener, as a reader of the book, please, because the more that we can compile this, we will put it out there and, and we'll make it, you know, we'll just recommend it. I mean, this is a lifelong process here. Yeah. And that, yeah, if you are on our newsletter list, we'll be sending out regular missives about this. So make sure, um, I mean, obviously you're on both of our lists the way uh, but we'll talk about at the end how to do that in case you are such a silly person that you're not on our list. Okay, we're at A, which is affirmations. Joe, what is your experience with affirmations? Well, here, you know what I'm going to do? Because um, I want to read a part in the book that is about um, affirmations. Uh, I'm just going to literally read from, um, you know, The Miracle Morning. So there's this part, um, A is for affirmations. You, have you ever wondered how some people seem to <laughs> just be good at everything they do uh, and consistently achieve at a level so high you can hardly comprehend how you'd ever join them or why others seem to drop the ball time and time again if it's a person's mindset that has proven to be the driving factor in their results? And then we talk about mindset and, you know, Carol Dweck's uh, book, uh, Mindset, and what she says, uh, for 20 years, my research has shown that the view you adopt of yourself profoundly affects the way you lead your life. So that is a very important sort of thing. Now, you can reinforce that with affirmations. And I'm going to get to why af uh, the old way of doing affirmations does not work. Because uh, one of the things when, when Hal first even, I heard the word affirmations, I had an immediate negative reaction because I'm like, oh, my oh. God, you know, uh, it's like I can see a Saturday Night Live skit of someone just saying, mm -hmm. I, I love myself, I love myself. And you're like, what kind of bullshit Enjoy is this? Molly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's, a ch there's a one paragraph that says, by repeatedly articulating and reinforcing to yourself what result you want to accomplish, why accomplishing it is important to you, which specific actions are required to produce the result, and most importantly, precisely when you will commit to taking these actions, your subconscious mind will shift your beliefs and your behavior. So if the way you do affirmations is what, why, which specific actions, and when, you're going to literally get more clarity. And so here's the part where it says why the old way of doing affirmations does not work. For decades, countless so-called experts and gurus have taught affirmations in ways that have proven to be ineffective and set people up for failure. Here are two of the most common problems with affirmations. Problem one, lying to yourself doesn't work. I am a millionaire. Really? I have 7% body fat. Do you? I have achieved all of my goals this year. Have you? Creating affirmations as if you've already become or achieved something may be the single biggest cause of affirmations not being effective for most people. With this technique, every time you recite the affirmation that isn't rooted in truth, your subconscious will resist it. An intelligent human being who isn't delusional lying to yourself repeatedly will never be the optimum strategy. The truth will always prevail. Problem number two, passive language doesn't produce results. 
Many affirmations have been designed to make you feel good by creating an empty promise of something you desire. For example, here's a popular money affirmation that's been perpetuated by many world-famous gurus. I am a money magnet. Money flows to me effortlessly and in abundance. This type of affirmation might make you feel good in the moment by giving you a false sense of relief from your financial worries, but it won't generate any income. People who sit back and wait for money to magically show up are cash poor. To generate the kind of abundance you want, or any result you desire for that matter, you've got to actually do something. Your actions must be in alignment with your desired results, and your affirmations must articulate and affirm both. So, you know, without taking up more time on this one, Anna, I will say that I have something as simple as post-it notes that are on the wall in my bedroom uh, where Mm -hmm. I literally just look at them, and it takes me, I can do it in a minute, and they're triggers that just remind me of, like, where I'm at, where do I want to go, why I want to go there, and how I'm going to get there. And that's pretty much my affirmation process. Well, and also, you have the art, the gaping void art that is sort of affirmational, wouldn't you say? Oh, well, first off, I think my whole life is an affirmation because I have jumping off yeah. points all over my office. I have all kinds of triggers. I have all kinds of visual communications. Uh, I have a culture wall at my office that identifies, you know, it says, you know, uh, per- <laughs> things like, uh, you know, respond, don't react. Because when you're in an addictive state, when you're in an, uh, you know, an out-of-control state, when you're in an angry state, you're probably not responding you're reacting. And right. so in this line that comes from Al-Anon that I first heard from you, where it's oh, you know, yeah. that which is hysterical is historical. So whenever yeah. you underreact or overreact to something, it, it's rarely the thing in the moment unless someone just flat out punches you in the face. You know, the, the thing is, is most things that trigger you aren't about the thing going on there. They just happen to be the trigger of something that happened, you know, in your past uh, you know, that, that, that you're just responding uh, negatively or, or positively to. And so, uh, you know, I, I have all kinds of things that, that are affirmations in terms of quotes, in terms of visuals that remind me, you know, to, to kind of what the hell I want in my life and how to think about things. And, you know, it's, you know, I got a great one in the main Genius Network room that says, be willing to destroy anything in your life that's not excellent. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I I think about that all the time. I mean, if I'm in a situation where I'm just putting up with something, either change it or, you know, I mean, I have have the serenity prayer up on the wall, you know. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, or in the wisdom to know the difference. Wisdom to know the difference, yeah. Even if you're an atheist, which some people are, I mean, the term God is highly charged for some people because they, you know, a lot of their, I was raised Catholic. I had a lot of abuse that happened, uh, you know, in, in church environments and stuff. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's all how you, you perceive it, but I mean, whatever, whatever's going to put you in a, in a more powerful state and, and that you can do it very quickly could be utilized as an affirmation. And so I'd love to hear what, how you do it. Well, yeah, I did want to say about about the God thing. You know, the idea is I think it's easier for people to swallow when it's like, as long as you know it's not you, you know, and people say, oh, I don't want to be powerless. Actually, what it does is sort of being able to surrender a drug and alcohol problem or a problem or whatever it is, kind of just, it's like you get to wash your hands of it if you can really do it. Easier said than done. You know, most of us want what we want. Which brings us back to to uh, affirmations and and um, you know what I will do is I will record some on some 
things that I know are true that I just need to remember. You know, they say that people have, alcoholics have a built-in forgetter and, you know, and, and people in general tend to sort of gravitate towards the negative. So I will have to remind myself of positive things that like I'll put them on vision boards, I'll put them in voice memos, I'll listen to them just so that I can remember what's actually true. You know what I mean? Um, Okay, so visualization is something that I'm sort of I'm sort of new to, but I've been doing a little bit of it. Do you do it, Joe? Well, I can combine visualization very much with affirmations because yeah. a lot of the things that I have on the walls, a lot of the things that I aspire to do, I actually kind of combine them together. I mean, even what we do in Genius Network, I mean, so much of uh, yeah. so much of I think Genius Network is taking achievers and painting a bigger picture of the the future that they want. Uh, I do uh, positive focuses. I mean, you know, there's there, which is is a tool that I learned through Strategic Coach. Uh, so, you know, I, I surround myself, anyone that's ever been to my office, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's my own little visualization world. And so, <laughs> I mean, I think, uh, you know, even my, my vision of, of doing what, we, like even this conversation right now, change the global conversation about how people view and treat addicts with compassion instead of judgment and find the best forms of treatment that have efficacy and share those with the world. And I have to constantly remind myself and inspire myself uh, in order uh, in order to do that. And so, you know, some people like vision boards. I mean, I think a really cool thing uh, is is digital um, photo albums, not like a computer, but like you literally have a digital photo album that has it does nothing but just flip the the photo, the picture, right? <laughs> and it just mm. scrolls. And, and the, I think, you know, I think those are just really cool things to do. And I'm, I'm working right now on. Uh, finding a, a great source so there are certain clients of mine that I want to send them a because I know what their goals are because they they fill out tools in Genius Network and stuff and you know I want to put together things so I can send them uh, sort of their their goals and their objectives and the things that are important to them and what they want to focus on with their friends and family and with their career and with their their health uh, with their uh, you know personal and intellectual development and have things that are loaded into a, you know, a, a, a digital photo, um, out, you know, it's it just like a frame that just sits on their desk and it just flips and it shows stuff. Cause Is I just think things of like, them? yeah, well, not only pictures of them, but quotes. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Yep. It's, um, and, and I mean, anyone can buy one of those on Amazon. I mean, you can literally take, you know, so if you want visualizations of a place like a car you want to own or a body that you want to have or a type of relationship or some sort of, you know, some sort of quote or, or, or poetry or anything that just, you know, puts your mind in that sort of direction. I mean, it's kind of, it's a lot of it is, is just different ways of asking yourself questions. You know, the 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 brain cannot avoid a question and when you present an image to it i mean this is going to sound like a really bizarre thing to say but i i remember reading this report and i'm i'm trying to actually find the the study because i remember reading this several years ago where um in in you know if someone does know this if, or finds this report they could that would be great if they actually um if if they shared it on either the miracle morning community or or genius recovery uh is when the only thing that makes the brain light up under a certain type of scan quicker than um, than pornography is crystal meth. And so when someone looks at pornography, I mean, their brain changes. There's a biochemical change in the brain. When they show 
pictures of monkey butts to monkeys, which is the equivalent of monkey porn, the, the frickin' monkey's brain lights up. Like when our eyes, when our senses take things in, it literally changes in a positive or negative way. So use visualization. See, addicts use visualization all the time. They just visualize destructiveness. They, mm. go, they go into fantasy. And, you know, I mean, any, any alcoholic that, you know, is in a bar or any sex addict that it walks by a strip club or looks at porn online, I mean, it's a different form of visualization, but it's destructive. So what you want to do is harness what you're, you know, subconscious is latching onto, but in things that you actually direct it because, you know, it, it, you can direct your brain. You can shift where your attention goes. And I say all the time, you know, one of the most important things for entrepreneurs, which is, you know, a lot of the world that I deal with in business, you got to protect their attention. What, in order for them to be productive, what gets their attention? Well, the same thing with an addict. So in order for an addict to not only get sober but stay sober, you want to do things that are going to put your attention in places that are going to lead you to a much better life, more happiness and freedom from, you know, the bondage of uh, of addiction. And so, you know, that's in the best time to do it is right when you wake up in the morning. Yes. So let's move on to E, which is exercise, which is something you and I are both, I would say, quite obsessed with. Are you still doing your burpee thing? Yep. Yep. I mean, I was really hardcore on it and like did not miss a, a, a day of doing at least 30 burpees a day. I mean, sometimes as many as, you know, uh, I mean, there are a couple of days I did a hundred, but you know, I would do between 30 to 70 burpees a day and I did that for months on end. Uh, but I've kind of slowed down a little bit. When I say slow down a little bit, I still do burpees five days a week, at least uh, 30 to, uh, you know, 80 is, you know, the, the, the framing. But I, what I've been doing more of now is I literally will go uh, with a trainer and I'll lift weights uh, four days a week, and then I'll, you know, do yoga, uh, you know, couple, two to three times a week. That's pretty much my exercise ritual. Uh, when I'm traveling, absolutely, burpees are the best if you, you know, do not have a lot of of time, and you know, if you have to get up and go to the airport and you don't have time to go to the gym and you're in a different city, I mean, you can you can crank out. 10, 20, 30 burpees in literally a couple of minutes and they are hard and they will get your heart pumping and they will put you into a different state like immediately. And I've gotten so many people to start doing burpees and I will tell people, you know, it's very hard. Start with one, then do two, then do five, then do, you know, and work up to it. But if you can get yourself up to doing, you know, 30 burpees a day, man, your endurance level just goes to a whole nother level. And what people will find if they start doing that, they'll probably start other forms of exercise. They'll start doing strength training. I mean, there's, there's a lot that the burpees do. So definitely uh, if you don't take time out for exercise and nutrition, now you're going to take time out for it later. And, you know, we, we talk about this in the book and I, you know, I will say this all the time, the issues are in the tissues. And so you got to get your body moving. You want to get your heart beating. You want to, you want to breathe. I mean, you have this body that contains all of this repressed emotions and, and to be able to work through it and get in touch with your body is incredible. So that's, that's my form of exercise. Talk about yours. 
Well, I would just like to add that uh, Joe's not joking about this burpee situation. When I stay with him, I am forced to do burpees. I have been forced to do burpees with Joe in front of the Genius Network. Um, (laughs) Joe's done burpees. I think you did them at the annual event, which is to say, like, what, in front of 500 people? Um, Oh, oh yeah. We we, we filmed it, like, uh, with – no, it was, like, 400 people there uh, at that one with Randy Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg's sister, who, you know, was credited with creating Facebook Live with – boy, who else did we have up there? We had Dima. We had – the Betty Rocker, who has like you know hundreds of thousands of people that follow her for fitness. You didn't get uh, Tony. Yeah. Tony Robbins spoke, but you didn't get him doing any burpees. Nah, nah, we would have made him look bad though. Tony would have been scared, I think. But uh, no, of course. no, Tony's okay. hardcore. But <laughs> um, so yeah, my form of exercise. I I do. I need a lot of variety in my life. So I do hip hop dance class. I do bar classes. I do a lot of hiking. Um, you know, I sort of am switching it up all the time. But okay. Moving on to reading. So, Joe, you're you're a big fan of like the self help spiritual sort of books, right? Oh yeah, I mean I'm a fan of all kinds of books. Most of, uh, but certainly you know I've read a ton of self help. Uh, but you know I mean, like right now I'm you know reading an advanced copy of Ray Kurzweil's uh, book, Daniel's uh, Chronicles of a Superheroine, which is a novel. And there's also two companion books that go along with it. And, you know, Ray Kurzweil's a friend and he's, you know, I'm going to be interviewing him at my annual event this year. So I'm immersed in that. Plus I'm helping him with the, with the marketing of this book because at the time we're recording this, it still doesn't come out for a couple of months. Uh, But I read all kinds of stuff and I, I read, I don't read a book at a time. I read chunks of books. And there are certain things that I will come back to. And at night, uh, believe it or not, I actually have books on sleep because even with all the stuff that I do, I still have sleep challenges. And part of the reason I have sleep challenges, I, I mean, that's a whole, we could do a whole nother episode, which we may, we'll do, we'll do follow-up stuff on weird things that I've discovered. But I, you know, I did a recent uh, genetic test where I actually have determined genetically, there's actually a reason that I have difficulty sleeping. So I'm working mm. on things to, to that that can help me in that area, but I'm kind of uh, you know according to my genetics, which I only buy this stuff in partially, you know, because even if someone has a quote unquote genetic marker for addiction, uh, as an example, if there's not trauma there, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to express itself. So I'm still of the belief currently. I mean, I, my mind is always open to change and say that what I think now, you know, because what's a belief anyway? A belief just means you're you're not sure. So my my you know my current state of mind on this is that you know I I know why uh, that I have trouble sleeping and there are certain things that I can do something about and others I just have to do workarounds with. But I look at um, I look at sleep as um, you know one of those things. How do you solve one problem that'll solve a hundred other problems? So when I read, I tend to read things that answer the question what needs solved. So what do I need solved in my life or what do I want to work on? And when I do any sort of personal development or self-help, it's that genre. And if I'm just reading to kind of like go to sleep, I, I literally have books about sleeping uh, that are next to my bed. And I will read, you know, I'm reading a book right now, Why We Sleep. I have another friend, Dr. Michael Bruce, who wrote a book called The Power of When. And he's, uh, you know, he, he's one of the top sleep doctors in the world. And so I also like reading uh, David Hawkins and uh, Michael Singer. I'm, re- you know? I'm rereading Letting Go right now. And oh, it's, letting, letting Go is amazing. 
Yeah. I mean, we talk about it in the Miracle Morning. It's like, it's just, it's so, I have to read it slowly to take everything in. And then, and then I'm like highlighting, you know, on a Kindle, I got to say, and this is important because Miracle Morning's available on a Kindle. I just love the highlighting and then texting myself those quotes. I just love it. So, Uh, so, okay. I like I like paper though. I I do I still prefer you know even though from an organizational aspect you know and again this is not right or wrong. I mean some people love the organization of Kindles and what you just said. I mean I have a Kindle also, but you know usually when I'm reading, uh, one of the, one of the things I, there's just something about you know staring at just regular paper that I I like, and so I'm always carrying books with me. But certainly you know in the morning. You know, just to just to follow the savers, especially if you're brand new to to this process with the Miracle Morning, try it. Even you know, even if you there's a section in the book on how to literally do all of these by devoting a minute each to each one, in, yeah. in case you're ever in a rush. So, you know, I know we're talking at length, and people are like, "How the hell am I going to fit all of this stuff in?" I mean, you we literally give you the six minute version of how to do this, but you can take, you know, you can turn this into, uh, you know, an hour. And some people are like, well, I don't have an hour to do that. And what if people actually, if people did, there's no perfect way to do this. We're, we're talking about progress, not perfection. So, you know, I, I treat everything like a, a 12-step group, you know, take what you like and leave the rest. So if you, right. if you have a certain part of a ritual that works for you, by all means, keep doing it. If you can enhance it with what we're talking about, do that. And we're just talking about one section of the book. I mean, even if you're not a morning person, I maybe should have said that in the beginning. I think this book will encourage you to be a morning person. But even if, if for some reason you're like, I don't care, it, you know, I'm going to stay up till two in the morning and wake up at 10, you can still apply what we write about oh, in yeah. the book. And, yeah, 10 totally. to 10.06. Um, Yeah, and I think that's such a good point because it is like you are not – if you read this book and you're like, I'm going to do a miracle morning, I don't do all of these things every day. It's a little bit of a choose-your-own-adventure, and it's what you've got time for, what speaks to you, what works. Maybe you don't like writing first thing in the morning. Um, You know, it really is what works for you. But I've been amazed. Um, You know, I I said this before, but basically when, when this opportunity first came up, I had actually never heard of the Miracle Morning, and I sat down to read this book going, well, you know, I've read every book out there like what it what is this guy going to tell me that I don't already know and I've told how this like he channeled something in this book and that's why it's become one of the most successful books of all time and that's why it's spawned this you know series you know so we're just one of them there's the miracle morning for entrepreneurs for millionaires for real estate agents you know it goes on and on but it, it really is completely magical and I'm not saying that so that you guys will go buy our book but if it helps you go buy our, our book great yeah, exactly. Um, and it's the okay. least that everyone could do should buy our book. I mean, and here's the, here's the thing. By immersing ourselves in this, there, there's this re, it's just really great. And, it, and personally, I think this is such a solid Miracle Morning book in terms of the work that we have put into it. It's really, really good. And the advanced readers that people can go see the reviews on Amazon because the first people that were able to review it were, you know, and, and we told them sincerely, I mean, if you don't like it, tell us you don't like it. And the reviews so far are pretty awesome. Yeah, and it shot, not to brag, to number one in substance abuse, like immediately when it went up there. So, so let's keep it up there. And yeah, it is available as you know, as an ebook, as a print book, and it will soon. I don't know, but if by the time you hear this, but it will be available as an audible audio book as well. Um, so, 
that's all we got for you guys. Well, we got scribing. We got, we got scribing. I know. So writing. So I, oh. I just didn't know if we were brushing over that one. So do you do writing in the first thing in the morning? Well, what I do, I have a uh, app that I do. I, I have a guy named Cameron Harold, who's a Genius Network member. Uh, that me and him do a thing called Commit to Three. So the one thing that I always write is we always write down the top three things that I'm going to do. Right. Mm-hmm. So I do that. The other, and and here's here's the other way that I do, actually do journaling. Um, I have used all kinds of journals um, almost my entire adult life. I mean, probably from the age of 16 is when I started keeping diaries and doing journals. And there's a million different ways that I would do it over the years. I, I actually have an, an app that I use called Day One that I actually, um, you know, every day for the last two and a half years, uh, I mean, literally every day, I think uh, I think there was like three days during that time that I did not do a journal entry into this thing. And, and I can attach pictures and stuff too. And it is an electronic thing. And there's still a part of me that you know, misses that. So that's one aspect. And here's where I'm inconsistent. So I, I'm, I'm never going to like try to say, oh, I do this consistently if I really don't. Morning pages are fabulous. They're they're fantastic for people in recovery. I'm inconsistent. I go in spurts where there are some times where I'll just do it for, you know, uh, uh, several days at a time and then I'll, you know, just stop. And I don't beat myself up over it. Uh, if you, in, in handwriting, I think we'll get much deeper into your subconscious than typing or tapping or transcribing, uh, literally handwriting. So the 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 process of doing it, I, I think, is is meditative. And so uh, I would encourage people if you've never if you've never journaled, go ahead and do it and follow the processes and recommendations that we have laid out here. But I'd love you know you Anna though uh, are way more qualified to speak to writing uh, than than probably anyone because that's who you that's who you are. Well, yeah, but professional writing and this kind of writing is very different. It's interesting. I mean, I became a writer because I was I've kept a journal since I was five. Like I've always written. It's always helped me heal. Um, and then, and then as I got a career as a writer, the journaling kind of cut down. But um, I just started doing morning pages or writing in the morning. Um, I have an accountability group on Facebook, and I said, "Hey, why don't we try to do this three times a week?" Ever since then, I guess that was, it was only like three weeks ago, um, I've done it every day. And yeah. now it's just part of what I do. I just roll over and do it. Um, but, okay, we do have to wrap up, Joe. Is there anything else that we want to tell people about the book, about us, about uh, anything? Well, you know, there are things, a chapter that I actually have in there, too, and, and definitely, you know, there's a lot to it. I mean, we've only touched a, a tiny percentage of what's included in the book that you'll get value out of, but we wanted to cover the main processes so you kind of get the gist of, of the Miracle Morning process. Uh, you know, what I've discovered uh, through a lot of influence, like my friend Tommy Rosen, who we write about in the book, and, you know, different people, is, you know, after traveling around the world for the last three years with a video camera uh, and a camera crew uh, filming and interviewing people, I've learned quite a few things uh, about recovery and some very interesting things that will eventually show up in uh, a documentary. I mean, our first documentary, Black Star for Artists for Addicts, which is something that I started, artist with an S for addicts.com, if anyone has not seen the trailer. Uh, Our first uh, film won the uh, you know, audience choice awards for short films at the Sedona Film Festival that 
just happened about a month ago um uh, at the time that we're doing this recording so you know i've been i've been interviewing and talking with a lot of people we're doing a lot of things to try to help uh, with the area, uh, area of addiction and using art as a force for good and there's four areas that you need in order to not only get sober but stay sober in my experience and coupled with the miracle morning so if someone gets the book we literally go through those four areas and it's you know 12 steps as an example is is wonderful and great and there's it's it's helped millions of people and we you know I'm I'm a big fan and big believer and at the same time they don't really talk about trauma work in 12 steps there's very little about food and nutrition and the biochemical aspects so we touch into those things so if you're already doing 12 steps we're going to give you recommendations that will enhance your ability to do that if you're not someone that wants to do that sort of community but you want to look at alternative ways of doing it we we discuss those things so you know the the emphasis of the book is to use the morning as the best way to you know change your life before 8 a.m. And but there's a lot more to it than that, including like what you had mentioned, uh, all kinds of different people's uh, rituals that have helped them and have worked for them. So again, if you're an addict uh, or, you're, or you you don't know, but there's an area of your life where you are self-destructive and you are doing things that you don't want to do and you're not able to stop, or you have people in your life that just no matter what can't seem to get it together. You know, you they may be addicted. They they may have an addiction. And if you're an employer of people. Uh, I mean, I cannot tell you how many employers that have heard me talk about addiction and they had problem people that were working for them or coworkers, and they're like, what the hell? And then they, you know, then they would admit, yeah, this, you know, this person can't function without drinking coffee or this person has to go to happy hour. And then they start realizing, wow, you know, maybe this person has an addiction. And then they start talking to this person and they start connecting with them at deeper levels. And all of a sudden they have a connection and they have progress that was not being made in any other way. So, you know, I think you'll I think you'll get a lot out of uh, out of our book, and hopefully, it gives you an awareness that you're probably not getting from watching, you know, or being tapped into the typical mainstream media, which you know feeds a lot of crap to people. It just really does. So, anyway, those are my that's what I would say. Well, thank you, Joe. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, go, you can go pick up our book on Amazon, and um, we we'll love you all. You got it. So thanks, Anna. And uh, please give us your feedback and share this with anyone that you uh, know that may be struggling with addiction. And thank you so much for the support if you buy our book. So do it now. Thank you. Bye.